you know what's easy to achieve um or i guess what's what's uh if you look at what ceos are making there's a new report out today that canadian ceos the top executives shattered records for compensation in 2021 that won't be a huge surprise i imagine because corporate profits are way up but this new report says they earn an average of 14.3 million dollars a year that's the average of the top 100 um that began as inflation uh, began to soar. One can only imagine it will be even more pronounced next year. Uh, but the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives uh, calculated uh, in their report that was released today um, that 14.3 was the average. That's up from 11.8 in 2018 and 31% higher than 2020. To put that in perspective for the average worker in this country who makes $58,800, the average CEO makes 243 times that. Um, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a big gap. That's a big gap. It's hard sometimes. I don't know how many CEOs you've worked with or for or around, but, you know, obviously they're smart and they work hard and they are often the face of their company and investors uh, want a good executive management team uh, that builds confidence and it builds investment. But are they worth 243 times more than someone doing the work for the company that actually keeps you know, the work that is probably just as valuable in many ways if it didn't get done? You know what I mean? Um, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I really don't think so. I've interviewed met a lot of people over the years. CEOs are all very smart. And they've got great skills and so on. But 243 times better? 243 times more? And growing? Hmm. It's an interesting one. Um and, you know, of course, to top it all off, they made the top paid executives in this country made the average worker's salary um, in less than an hour, in an hour, in the first working day of the new year, which was today. You have to count in the paid holiday yesterday for that as well. So is this a terrible thing? Um, lots of people argue that, you know, maybe wealth taxes will drive away those we need to help build our companies in this country, keep Canada competitive and so forth, you know, these are a lot of this money is salary is not salary, it's bonuses based on performance. Don't they deserve that? There's lots of counter arguments here. But with more on the report is Alex Hemingway. He's a senior economist with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives who, uh, who wrote the report. Thanks for your time tonight. Happy New Year, Ben. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, in with the old or in with the new, out with the old, but uh, some things don't change much. I guess we're seeing a growing gap between what most of us make and what those at the top of the heap, so to speak, make. Yeah, we, we are seeing that in, in all sorts of ways. Uh, in, in the report we have out today, uh, what we've done is we're tracking the pay of the top 100 highest paid CEOs in the country. And actually, uh, my organization, we've been tracking this data for, for many, many years now. And uh, this is a record-breaking year. So those top 100 CEOs are, are making an average of uh, $14.3 million. Uh, this is 2021 data, the most recent that's available. And that is higher than it's ever been. To Just to make the top 100 list, the minimum pay is $6.7 million. That's higher than it's ever been. And you can also see it, uh, one of the things we do in, in this report over the years is compare the CEO pay to, to the pay of the average Canadian worker. And and again, uh, it's a record setter, 243 times as much as the average worker is the compensation of the uh, the average of these top 100 CEOs. It's also a reflection, I imagine, that, you know, it, with inflation, a lot of us may, um, you know, on paper, we're making a certain amount of money, but it feels like we're making less, right? Uh, because of inflation. Yeah. That's not the case for, for the top 100. Not at all. In fact, if anything, it appears to be helping their bottom line. 
No, that's right. And, you know, th there's an interesting short run story here. There's also an interesting long run story, and maybe we'll get to that. But the, the, the short run story is, you know, it, in 2021, we saw the beginning of that inflation liftoff. And if you look at what happened to work, Canadian workers pay in that year, after adjusting for inflation, the average worker saw a 2% pay cut. And uh, the CEOs, in contrast, saw a 26% pay increase. And of course, that's a 26% increase on a very high base to begin with. So, you know, that means a lot of cash. And so part of what's going on here is, uh, you know, along with uh, rising inflation, we've seen skyrocketing corporate profits in, in 2021 and into uh, 2022 as well. So when you look at corporate profits as a share of GDP, as a share of our total economic output, it's up substantially from where it was a few years ago, and it's also up in, in the longer run as well. So there's certainly a growing disconnect there between what's happening to Canadian workers and, and what's happening at the very top. You know, you can see it in CEO pay. You can see it in, in statistics about uh, a wealth inequality as well, where it's even more extreme. And with the CEO pay, I mean, this a lot of this isn't salary. A lot of this, as you pointed out, uh, is tied to those very performances. Uh, and, and therein lies the big boom, right? And when, as profits go up, so do their bonuses. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. So so the large, by far the largest portion of uh, compensation for CEOs is is this variable compensation or, or what most people would call bonuses. Uh, that makes out uh, over 80% of the pay. And so you see, you see it, you know, the spike reflected uh, in a year with, with record-breaking corporate profits. What's interesting though, is if you look at the prior year, as we did previously in, in 2020, uh, you know, that, that we were at the, you know, the, the worst year of the pandemic uh, economically as well. And what, what we see is, you know, so the, the, there's kind of a situation here in the current year where partly as a, uh, as a result of luck, uh, of the uh, corporate profits in part driven by inflation, uh, CEOs are enjoying a big upside. In 2020, though, there was bad luck, but they were protected from that bad luck. Uh, so it doesn't it doesn't go both ways. So just to uh, elaborate on that a little bit, uh, half of the top paid CEOs in 2020 worked for companies that were bailed out by the taxpayer. Uh, you know, and of course, there are good reasons for that policy. Others enjoyed changes to their bonus formulas to ensure that their their pay didn't. Uh, decrease substantially as a result of uh, of the pandemic. So it's a bit of a uh, heads you win, tails you win situation for the CEOs. Of course, that's not the case for uh, most Canadian workers. Not many women in there, I noticed. No, that's striking. And that's that's been the case for many, many years on this list. So we're talking about a top 100. Uh, 97 of those are men. So there's three women in fact, there are more men named Mark than there are women on the list is, is uh, one way to put it. There's certainly a disconnect uh, uh, in terms of gender equity in the C-suite as well. Alex Hemingway is with us this half hour. He's a senior economist with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. We're talking about uh, just how much the top 100 CEOs in this country are making, an average of $14.3 million. The lowest, just to get into that top 100, you had to make more than $6 million. Um, Alex, the you know you know what the arguments about this are. This is very competitive. C, you know, CEOs carry a lot of weight in businesses. Their names are whom investors trust, for instance, and they simply reap the rewards when times are good. Um, is is that not true? Well, you know, I think if you look at these CEOs, uh, most, if not all of them, I, I'm sure work very hard, work hectic hours, like many Canadians do, and. It's certainly an argument that uh, they're going to make more than 
than the average worker. That's perhaps reasonable. What the issue here is, is just how far that it's gone. You know, it wasn't always like this. When we're talking about a ratio of uh, the CEOs making 243 times as much as the average worker, you go back to uh, the prior to the shareholder revolution of the 1980s, that ratio was more like 20 to one. Uh, by the end of the 1990s, it was 100 to one. Uh, back in 2008, it was 180 to one. So we've seen this long run, steady increase in uh, that pay ratio and that inequality. And you know that inequality has uh, real effects on our co- uh, economy, damaging effects. Even relatively conservative institutions like the International Monetary Fund have looked at this and they actually find that extreme inequality of this kind puts a drag on economic growth. It's actually hurting uh, our overall economy, uh, hurting everyone in, uh, through that mechanism as well. The other issue here is, you know, th- there's sometimes a conception that, you know, there's, there's a draft for, for C- CEOs, that there's a hugely competitive market and CEOs are going to jump from company to company. But actually, uh, what, when you look at the details of this, and what my colleague David McDonald found is that 75% of these top CEOs are not hired from outside the company. They're promoted from within. They've been with the company for an average of 18 years. So it's not this incredibly... Uh, competitive market. And we know from the past, you know, in, in this country, we, as well as in the United States, we used to have much higher top marginal uh, tax rates in the range of 70, 80 uh, percent. And in that era, uh, we had a much lower uh, ratio of CEO pay to, to, to worker pay. And actually, we had higher economic growth as well. You know, the reasons for that are complex, but, you know, there's there's nothing written in stone about the equilibrium we're in today, this high inequality equilibrium where workers are are fa- falling farther and farther behind. Yeah. I mean, anyone who's worked for any company can imagine. It's hard to imagine that the CEO of your company is worth 243 times more than someone doing the work, so to speak. I mean, it's important. And you're right. Uh, they probably won't get, um, you know, won't sign as free agents for, you know, Manchester United, for instance, right? It isn't competitive in that same way. That, although, I mean, the argument against things like wealth taxes always go back to competitiveness, though, right? I mean, that, I mean, I gather that's what one of the things that you proposed in this report is to look at taxation as a way to to at least try to uh, perhaps, I guess, take adv- not take advantage, but put some of that money back into the public good, right? Well, that that's exactly right. And, you know, there are some bigger picture, even bigger picture issues that, that could be addressed. You know, the decline in unionization that we've seen in this country really has shifted the balance of power between workers and, and, and bosses. And, and, you know, that's part of what's contributed to inequality. But on the tax side, that's what we focused on in, in the report. There are a range of things we could do. I mentioned already, you know, a, adjusting those top marginal tax rates uh, to levels that we ha- have had historically. You know, they're not un- unprecedented. Uh, those rates have come down substantially from where they once were. Uh, that can help. Uh, a wealth tax focused on uh, the top half of 1%, you know, not even uh, if you're in the top 1%, you, you don't wouldn't necessarily even be affected by the types of wealth taxes that have been proposed and that we put forward. You know, that can bring in a huge amount of revenue. I actually modeled this in a report last year, uh, a moderate wealth tax on those uh, making over $10 million uh, with uh, rates rising among the, the super rich. So the highest rate on those making over $100 million. you could bring in $28 billion uh, just in the first year of, of that tax. 
Uh, so that could make a huge difference to addressing some of the, the social and environmental deficits that we face. You know, I think we all know that we need to make investments, you know, in healthcare, in dealing with uh, environmental issues and climate change. You know, that's not out of reach. We're an incredibly wealthy country, but uh, it, that wealth has been distributed uh, so unequally in recent years. That's really stymied us in, in, in a lot of ways in it, addressing some of the big challenges of our time. Yeah, I guess what really stands out here, regardless of where you are on the political spectrum, is that if you work for a company and you're an employee, you get a very little, you you see very little of the company's success in your pocketbook other than your job. And those in the C-suite uh, see a whole lot of it. Well, and I think, you know, one thing that's striking to me in, in doing research in this area is that this is common sense uh, to the vast majority of Canadians. It, it may surprise some to, to hear that, you know, the, there have been multiple polls done on wealth taxes. All of them find huge majority support for a wealth tax across the political spectrum. It's not a left-right issue. Large majority of, of conservative voters uh, support this idea. And But there's this disconnect with our politics. That type of policy doesn't seem to be seriously on the agenda. And I think, you know, part of it is, uh, you know, many folks feel like there's not much that can be done. Maybe that's not uh, politically realistic. Maybe those at the top are, are going to have the type of lobbying power to, to block that type of policy. And, you know, I think that's uh, that's part of in the background here is that, that broader uh, political battle, uh, not a partisan battle, but a political battle that has to be understood in, in thinking about these issues. And certainly as we see the uh, the gap increase, though, it, it, there must be the questions have to be asked, right? If 243 times is a big, big number. Well, and you know what, as I mentioned, when you look at uh, that the wealth inequality, this is a little outside of the current report, but uh, the, the wealth of uh, the top billionaires in, in the country uh, is uh, 4,500 times as much as uh, the wealth of the average Canadian. So, you know, the, the top 1% control 26% of the wealth in this country. It wasn't always this way. It, it really is a result of, of policy choices that have been made along the way. And we do have uh, the power to make different choices. And I think recognizing those policy possibilities is, is the first step uh, in the discussion if, if we uh, as Canadians do want to go in a somewhat uh, different direction, more equitable direction, and a direction that can really allow us to face up to, you know, some of the big collective challenges that we're facing as a country and 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 pooling the resources to address them, you know, in, in those areas that, that I mentioned, whether it's child care, health care, the environment, many other issues. Alex Hemingway, thank you so much. Thank you.